0: And we're back. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the No Direction Black Excellence Showcase. Hopefully the first of many. Uh, so our we've got our first two guests of the night with us. Um, we have uh, the creator of a field guide to Mukane, uh Trey Joyner. Would you like to say hello?
1: Hey, everyone. Trey Joyner. Nice to be here.
0: Uh, We have the executive producer and GM of Dicey Amazons, uh, Candy.
2: Hi, I'm uh, Candy Janine. Also great to be here.
0: Uh, I am Michelle Jones, uh, also known as Mimi, uh, and we have the wonderful uh, Jefferson J. Thacker uh, as our producer and co-host this evening. Howdy, y'all. I'm happy to always be uh, He has very graciously given us a stage so that we can talk about all the cool stuff that these people are creating. Um, so, you know, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, is everybody's video still good? Are we all here?
1: Mine's good. Yeah. Okay.
0: Let's, uh, if you don't mind, I would love to start with Candy because you do so many things. I feel like every time I turn around, you have started a new project. Um, you, uh, did, uh, you started kids on hoverboards, which is a kids on bikes hack. You've got, uh, cutthroat your uh vampire game so i would love to just hear about some of the stuff you're working on and some of the stuff that you're excited about
2: yeah uh absolutely so my very first game uh, that you mentioned uh that i designed was cutthroat um i joined the uh utopia's uh bipoc vamp jam in September. Um, I actually joined it on the very last day of the of the game jam <laughs> and decided that I was going to design my very first game. Uh, and it was I think it was due at like 11 p.m. that night. Um, and I just joined it like at 11 a.m. that day. And uh, I my itch account wasn't even set up to to like sell games or anything like that. So I had to do all of that ended up doing the graphic design as well uh for it and then also designing a game um that what was it i think it ended up being about 5 pages uh long <laughs> but it's a it's a super cool uh game i think the way that it's set up uh is super cool like you play uh vampires that are working at a entertainment um facility, or place and so you can actually choose the theme of the game so if you want it to be like vampire gory and things like that you can but you don't have to be um you're actually playing as actors and um like behind the scenes people of this this entertainment place and so you're basically trying to keep your job by the end of this and impress the owner um, of this place <laughs> and so and so depending on who you are, you, like I said, you can be an actor, you can be um, you can be like a props person, but you're all in this scene that you create. And so you could be like mobster vampires, you can be futuristic uh, vampires, and there's all these different scenes in this, uh, in this place. And so you get to choose and kind of make up the scenes on its own and basically play out this, uh, the scenes uh, for this game. And so it, it, it was received very well. I have got people that were like because we had did it we had done it like uh, so late it was a lot it wasn't a lot of time for people to actually um, uh, to set up a lot of things for it uh, to play it last Halloween. And so I've got some people that are already talking about this Halloween. Oh, I've got so many ideas for this game. It's gonna be so much fun. Um, <clears throat> so it was very well received. And uh, with that, I actually ended up getting uh, my first uh, professional writing gig. Uh, And so I'm working on a a book right now with Cosmic Mirror Games uh, called Confluence RPG. Uh, This game is going to be amazing and it's a full size like RPG book. Um, And so somehow got lucky (laughs) and ended up on that team. Uh, And then you mentioned Kids on Hoverboards. That is actually available on my itch and it is for free. So if you want that game, go grab it. Uh, It is a Kids on Brooms slash Kids on Bikes hack, um, adventure hack, in which the kids end up being um, taken to the future. And so they got to figure out, they have to find their teacher and figure out a way back uh, to their time. The really interesting thing about that, I think, is there's a mechanic where once you're on your way back, there's a possibility that you end up in a different time. And so you can actually play a campaign with this game and end up jumping to different times uh, for this, even like way, way back in the past and things like that. And so... So that one is uh, also super fun. Um, and like I said, it is free on my itch. And so go go grab it. It's a lot of fun. Done.
0: That all sounds very, very cool.
2: <laughs> and real quick, I do want to talk about, I am working on a new game. Um, it is called Briar Bound. This one is, this is my baby right now. This is going to be uh, my biggest game yet. <laughs> Um, I've actually finished the first round of playtest uh a few weeks ago and I'll be doing a next round of playtest after I've made some changes and updates to the game but this one is very special to me uh because it is based off of these the, the folktales of Brer Rabbit. Um Brer Rabbit is uh African folktales uh that were brought over um with the slaves uh to the US and the stories unfortunately were taken um by by white people and they they made they actually made a lot of money off of it they kind of changed these tales, made the stories about slavery and things like that and then there's at least three people that I, in my research there's at least three people that are not plc that have made money off of this since the mid 1800s and so i decided that i really wanted to reclaim these folk tales and tell it without the, uh, and tell it without the the colonization and the slavery. And so, if you don't know the story of Brer Rabbit, he's a trickster. And so, a lot of um, cultures have tricksters within their their folktales and their mythology. Um, and so, the basis of this game is you are a rabbit. Uh, well, one person is a rabbit and. The other people playing this game is a TTRPG game. Um, the other person, other people playing these games are your animal friends, and you're trying to get home to the Briar Patch um, as quick as possible. And so there's a time mechanic to it. and. And so there's absolutely no combat in it. And it's a GM-less game. And so you don't need someone to kind of get all this background on the game. Everybody jumps in, you create your characters, and you start playing. And I think the special thing about this game is that there is no combat. Because in those stories, there were very little fighting. It was a lot of outwitting um, the like the big bads. And so I actually came up with a couple of mechanics on how to outwit these the big bads in the story. And so that's that's one thing that I've been super excited about. It actually took me a while to kind of figure out the mechanic for that. Um, and the people that have played I loved it. Um, I was kind of watching their plays and was cracking up the whole time. They were having so much fun and doing so great. And I'm, I'm just ready for the second round of play tests because I've added some interesting things, I think.
1: How do we get on the second round of play tests? <laughs> I didn't ask that question. <laughs>
2: Uh, I will talk to you after this. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is you. a very important question because this sounds like yes. an amazing game. Um, yeah. you know, just for a, for a lot of reasons. Like one, um, I feel like GM-less games are really great for getting people into rpgs who otherwise might not because like i think the the hurdle of finding someone to be a gm is where a lot of groups sort of trip up um but also that just sounds like such an amazing concept because i grew up on uh prayer rabbit stories and i didn't Mm -hmm. even know that um so you know i i feel like i I would appreciate that game just as, you know, uh, sort of a maybe not a history lesson, but just as Mm -hmm. something to sort of give me some cultural background and sort of, you know, help me flesh out my understanding of things.
2: Yeah. And that's exactly what made it just so special to me. I like those stories. I grew up on those stories. And I I like when I started making you know like cutthroat and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, what else would I want to make a game out of? And that was what came up immediately. And so I'm um, third game already. I'm like, I'm gonna get it done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah,
0: that sounds absolutely fantastic. And also I I didn't even know you were uh, gonna talk about that game but that's such a fantastic coincidence because trey you also took a lot of inspiration from like african history and folklore um with the field guide
1: yeah 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 so um it, it's a it's a field guide in Infocani, it's a homebrew supplement to the lancer mud and lasers tabletop mech rpg sounds really metal. And, you know, I imagine some metal music playing in the background as I say it. But uh, Lancer is a really cool game. It's like a tactical game, kind of like Final Fantasy Tactics, just gamified in a tabletop game. And it's got some strong kind of uh, overtones. Uh, I won't even say undertones. It's got some strong overtones of anti-capitalism and uh, um, just pretty much, yeah, mainly anti-capitalism and anti-colonialism. And so um, I picked up the game like two, two-ish years ago, after transitioning from, I think D and D, because I wasn't really feeling it, because I didn't feel like it reflected who I was as a as a person and uh, what my what I what I like to enjoy, uh, particularly you know being black, and um, and so anyways, I picked up Lancer, and uh, I, I I found some similar similar components to D and D that it didn't necessarily reflect who I uh, wanted to who I envisioned myself as and what stories I envisioned telling. And so shortly after picking it up, I, uh, did, I dug deep and um, I started looking at, you know, what are my inspirations across my experiences with tabletops? And it's very limited, nothing like Kandi. I, I, this is the first thing I've really written <coughs> when it comes to tabletop RPGs. But um, yeah, I decided to hunker down and, and dive into it. And so the Phil guide in Fakani is an Afrofuturist. Someone described it as a Zulu futurist, which it very much is. That's based in South uh, based on the lore and history uh, and of the people in South Africa, the Bantu, Zosa, and uh, Nguni people in South Africa, and um, as Zulu as well. And um, so it just kind of tells a story uh, with the veneer of that culture, uh, but it tells a story of the transatlantic slave trade and uh, how uh, the people, instead of, you know, arriving to the Americas and, you know, being subjugated for, you know, years, um, to years, they instead rebelled. And uh, they re- they rebelled with the help of this massive entity uh, classified as a non-human person or NHP named Shaka Zulu and uh, did some really cool things. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting setting and um, still kind of you know developing as as I go. I'm playing games in the setting and adding to the field guide and adding to my notes and stuff. So it's it's a really it's been a really fun adventure. Yeah, it looked uh, very
0: cool. Uh, like
1: the lore of it, the
0: mechanics of it, the art of it. Like the field guide is. It's such a great read through just um, like uh, like as a as a Lancer player, I started playing Lancer a couple of months ago and just like I instantly fell in love with the game and going through uh, Field Guide uh, just saw so many things Was like, oh, I would love to play with that. I would love to play with that. Um, So you definitely hit the mark there yeah yeah
1: shout out shout out to uh one of my friends uh siege it goes by a siege fall on twitter but uh he picked up um he, get, he got interested in in the in the setting as uh he kind of dived into the the lore and stuff and uh he was like yo like trey can i draw stuff for you i was like yeah i guess and then he like started drawing some of the mechs and stuff and uh for you know, uh, I guess what a year now we've been you know just having fun back and forth, and um, he's been illustrating a lot more mechs in the uh, in the setting, and we're actually come up with a live stream, not live stream, but a VOD stream um, here pretty soon. So I'm excited to play with the the guy who does my art.
0: Yeah, that sounds very fun. Um, how how so? Like playing through something that you have written. Um, you know, I always feel like. Um, when I run something that I wrote, it's kind of like a director's cut because I'm like, I can do things myself that I wouldn't necessarily put in other people's
1: hands. Do you get that feeling? Um yes i i do i think <clears throat> i think by design uh the the design of the setting and you know where it draws inspiration from not a lot of people have a lot of familiarity with it uh in terms of you know like you know it's 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 very cultural and uh some people um i think predominantly you know uh, white people feel a little uh taken aback and a little scared to interact with it because it, i probably because they're scared to be racist or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, that's a whole nother problem, though. Um, and so there are things that I put in the field guide that are really explicit and try and not make too many assumptions other than that this is an Afrofuturist setting and it, you know, you know, values black bodies and it's storytelling. Um, but when I run it, yeah, I, I definitely take a lot of narrative liberties, <laughs> and uh, and I'm trying to think of a specific example, but um, I, I don't I don't think I can think of one right now. But yeah, I definitely take a lot of narrative liberties. I wouldn't um, uh, advise others. To. Yeah,
0: because it's it's sort of like you know you put it together, you know how it ticks, so you sort of know which pieces you can move around without hurting anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I try to I try to I try to break my own game. I don't, Condi, I don't know if you do the same thing with uh, with with your playtesting and Braille Rabbit, but uh, <laughs> I try to break it. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I, I'm, I'm getting to that point where I I need to find out if every single part works. And so to do that, you got to try to break it. Yeah. Uh, so if like the very first play test, I'm just kind of like, I want to see if it's fun. Uh, you know, there's, some uh, you know, I sent a survey, some other questions on that. But I want to see if the table is having fun. Yeah. And yeah. then now for play test number two, okay, I'm like, OK, so now we need to really get into this and see, OK, what what can we break? Uh, Because I want this like. Because this is going to be my biggest game uh yet and so like i want to make sure it comes out perfect
1: <laughs> totally yeah but i i've realized that that is a endless path of trying to trying to break your it game because you'll you'll break it every single time like yeah. in lancer like you have to like you know there's all these mechs and they, all these mechs have different stats and different systems and different abilities that you can switch across 30 other different mechs and you have to like play test it for every mech and then i'm at a certain point i'm just like i don't care like i, I don't care break <laughs> it break it i don't care <laughs>
2: See, so that might be the difference, uh, I guess, between our games, because yours is based off of Lancer, which is a bit of crunch, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't oh, played Lancer. Well, I've heard of it, but yeah. It's, it's crunch. A bit crunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the ones that I've made so far are fairly rules-light. Um, there are some things, like, especially, <laughs> so for Cutthroat, we did do, um, we did the vamp jam and then we did like a weekend playing a bunch of the games that we all had just made right and so um i i didn't want to actually run it i wanted somebody else to run it because i wanted to see somebody run it uh but then i also wanted to see like the mechanics like really kind of look at how the mechanics go and i could already tell like during that first playthrough okay yeah we gotta there's some mechanics that i definitely need to change uh in here and so not a lot of like crunch uh in my current games but there's definitely still ways to break it. And so I needed, you know, definitely looking for ways in Briarbound to to see <laughs> what can be broken and fixed. Nice.
1: <clears throat> yeah, like when you when you uh scope out a playtest, I don't know if you like put out a call like oh playtesters come <laughs> to Kandy's game. <laughs> but like I'm just curious like do you like specifically look for people who are like really meticulous about their words or like people mm-hmm. who are really meticulous about how like you know the, the story flows, I guess.
2: So this is the first game that I'm actually doing official playtest for. <laughs> Um, and so for this one, I actually, (laughs) this actually wasn't meant as a serious call for playtesters, but Mm -hmm. I put out a tweet saying, Hey, I'm working on this new game. (laughs) Like it involves, uh, animal friends. It's GM lists and no combat. And you know, who wants to play? And like I said, I wasn't serious. Like, I was just like, you know, Mm -hmm. okay, Hey, you know, tweet. And I had almost 30 people reply to the tweet and say, Hey, I want to play. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And, And, and so that's when I, like, really started to kind of get in and planning it. And so I could tell, like, I I, I kind of did, like, this this beginning questionnaire before we start, even started playing. Um, and so I was able to kind of find that there were some people who had playtested games, like, several games. Uh, but I also wanted some newbies as well. Um, and so I actually ended up with a fairly good mix um, of people um, to actually playtest this thing. And just going from there, really.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah like uh i for for the fill guide so like i run the server on on the uh what, like a adjacent um a junk server or whatever on for for, uh, for Lancer, it's like sub server or whatever. It's like mm. their main server is Polynet and I run another one. It's yeah. called Ukwa Station. And so like when I was riding the field guide, I was like, well, you know, I don't know who's gonna wanna like really interact with this piece of work. So I'm just gonna be a GM and GM tons of games and then make them play, When well, I make them play, but encourage them with in-game rewards to play my, my setting. <laughs> and that's how I kind of like play tested it. It's so, like, I think I GMed like over the course of like, gosh, yeah, like end of 2020, I GMed like from 2020 to like into 2021. I think I gm like a hundred games going through all oh, like, wow. you know, all the all the setting and all the material. And I mean with that said, I I, I, I still think my thing's broken. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, that, is, <laughs> that is a truly amazing number
0: of games to GM. Cause that means you're doing like two games a week. Yeah. Um, I started
1: out three games a week and then I went to two. And then as I started to publish the field guide, I went to one. But uh believe it or not, I I am s- under by a Think three hundred and forty games from the max person who runs games and lancers. Like he's run like four hundred sixty something. That's amazing. Yeah, over the course of two years, I, five games a week. It's crazy. No, no. That's crazy. I know. That's exactly truly <laughs> impressive. Like I, I wish
0: I could get to the point in my life when I could do that. Honestly, but. I know, um, uh, we we do have a question here from the chat that I think is a very good question. Um, given you think your game will always be breakable, do you think inbuilt flexibility is important to deal with such situations, even after you achieve the best balance you can? Uh, which I think is a very interesting question. I would love to get your take on that. Can, do you wanna take this one?
2: <clears throat> um, let's see. Because mine are so rules light, uh, I don't think I I think it'll be fairly balanced um, in the game because it's heavy role play. I think that's where the flexibility comes in. Um, in my latest game, is going to be the role play, um, and so for me, like as far as breakable and like mechanics, um, I think it'll it'll be fairly easy to find a decent balance in Bound.
1: Yeah, and I would I would say for for Lancer, it's kind of hard to be flex. Oh. oh well i'll say the lancer is one of the most flexible games i've ever played like ttrpgs i've ever played because you you pretty much get to be level 10 at level one because you get to switch across like all these different weapons and all your different licenses from all these these different companies and so you know i think it's inherent that the the flexibility is there but like like condi said like i definitely think that the that real flexibility from what i've written really comes from the narrative and so like specifically in the field guy added in these uh, these uh, cultural throwbacks called uh, sangomas, and they're uh, in Zulu culture. They're they're uh, doctors and and singers and uh, and prayers and, and and priests in many ways. But uh, in the fill guide, I use them as like these backward storytelling, like circuitous kind of mystical beings, like mix a Jedi with like uh, I don't know, like a like a doctor, I don't know, something like that. And so like these sangomas will tell the story, and it's largely just inform the GM that hey, this fill guide, that the way the story progresses to go on is kind of, you know, hearkening back to that oral history in many cultures in South Africa. So like, you can make up whatever you want to make up, just make it a riddle. It might be true. It might be, it might be false. You know, it, it could be anything. And so I think really that that flexibility comes um, more so from like the narrative, which is really hard to break anyways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree that like, I think the more narrative your game is sort of you know it's like if you're playing a very narrative heavy game it's like i jump to the moon it's like okay you did that doesn't mean anything you do it and it's cool but like whereas in like a very mechanical game where it's like i jump 800 feet it's like okay that has a specific meaning and you yeah. just did something you should not have done but you did it um um, so like most of my rpg work is for pathfinder and in pathfinder is also a very like crunchy game and it's game with a lot of customization where i think lancer and pathfinder second edition have that overlap um and what i personally have found is my goal is not to make things unbreakable my goal is to make things inconvenient to break Um, Yeah, because it's like, if you want to take something and combine it with six other things so that you can do 8000 damage, that's cool.
1: (laughs) Most people won't. So it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (sighs) That's a, that's a good way to put it, cause like uh, so like in the field guide there are like four mechs that I, I put out. There's a uh, Butho, uh, which stands, which means army in Zulu. There's Chetswa, which was a uh, last king of the Zulu people. Amadilosi, which is like means spirit, and Grootsang, which is like a uh, uh and that's an interesting story about the Grutseing, but I'll probably tell it later. But anyways, so there's you know there's three options. Once you level up, you can get different options in these various levels and if you want to if you really wanted to you could go you know you could pick up all the options in the Buto. you could pick up all the options in the group slang you could pick up all the options in the chets but it's really it's almost dumb to do it like why would you do that because it's like investing so much things in something that you know if you want to be a melee mech why would you pick up these things in these like range mechs and so it's like definitely what i hear what you're saying like you could break it if you really want to but like why why would you do that why <laughs> it's it's funny that you mentioned the Groot slang because
0: um you know um I don't know how familiar you, you are with uh, the Mwangi Expanse um which is the Pathfinder second edition yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Check out, yeah, yeah. African analog yeah. um because the Mwangi Expanse has a Groot slang and it is the worst thing in the world um <laughs> so <laughs> well, lot... well,
1: wait, well, wait 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 wait
0: <laughs> um <laughs> Param, do you have that uh, image handy? I don't. So I, I can't be. A, I will I, get it. I can't could, be. A, could,
1: could you please slang? spell it?
0: It's G R O O T S L A N G. But yeah, the, the bestiary from the manga expanse has a bunch of creatures that are like inspired by African folklore yeah. and like mythology. And there is a Groot slang monster in there. Um, so when I saw your Groot
1: slang, um, I had like war flashbacks. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a gnarly looking thing. Definitely very gnarly. Yeah, it's like oh, a, wow. The Groot, so the, the Groot slang is interesting because in South African culture, and I'll, I'll, I'll like you know quote that South African culture, the uh, Groot slang is loosely based. It's a it's an Afrikanist, so it's like Dutch uh, kind of retelling of a supposedly African story about a creature named the Mokili mumbimbi and Mokili Mimbimbi is a falsification, it's a, it's a fake story that was created by European settlers to say like, oh, we want to go here and find this mystical cryptid, this mystical creature, the Mokili Mimbimbi. And they go around asking and, and, and kind of you know, talking to a lot of these like villagers and people in South Africa trying to like find this thing, but really they just want to go so they could know, have excuse to colonize. And so the Sang was an iteration of that, but also like it was, I, I suspect I suspect, and I haven't found any of the discernible truth behind this, but I suspect the history the behind the Greek thing is that it's this creature that protects diamond caves and scares people away. My interpretation of that is Oh, you just made this thing up so you could scare the locals away, so you could export the diamonds. So it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird little story about the mm-hmm. Grit thing. but that aside, it's a cool c- creature. Yeah, that's something that I have
0: found when I try to research African history and folklore, is like the most of what you're going to find is like European retellings. And so it makes it yeah. very difficult to actually yeah. figure out what the real history and real story is. Yeah. Um, which it's it it is. Such a struggle when I'm like, I want to do this justice. I want to be like, I want to, uh, like be honest to like what like this culture is. And I try to do research. And like every source is like some French guy who like um, Jean Pierre. Yeah,
1: Cologne. it's like
0: yeah, it's, it's according to the research of you know Jean Pierre. Um, <laughs> apparently, this is a thing that like Africans like to do, I guess. And it's like you just made that up, guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's not based on anything.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I'm curious, like what's what's y'all's uh, yeah process for like you know, really sifting through that? Because I I myself encountered some of those. Like, I think I struggled with it a little bit and like, and, you know, just kind of like struggling with like what to actually settle on. I'm just kind of curious what y'all's process was.
2: Um, so <laughs> it's, it's definitely very difficult. Um, I'm at the point where I'm ready to build a network of actual Africans and <clears throat> be like, hey, <laughs> I need you to tell me this story. <laughs> because what I'm finding online is not what totally. I'm looking for. Totally. Yeah. And I've actually been thinking about that the last couple of days and figuring out how I want to do that, Um, because I definitely want to get a a consultant for for this game. I mean, it's not going to be a huge game or anything like that, Um, but I still want to get a consultant and make sure that everything is okay. And mine is not like this game is not heavily african it's more about the 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 journey yeah with these friends right with the inspiration of beer rabbit right but i still want to find some people to talk to and make sure that the little that i have is going to be correct and so at this point like i'll i'll find whatever i can I actually do have i have to find the link i do have one book i believe um that's actually pretty decent um about different hotels and things like that um but like the rest of it is really just it's all colonized and, and stuff like that and so it's just really hard to to kind of parse through that
1: yeah <clears throat> definitely definitely you know supporting you and doing that because i think ultimately too is like that i think that is an angle to like really you know do your best you know to 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 seek through the the mire of of colonized you know or, or rhetoric, and then really like you know find someone who can like you know tell you the story, or find the, you know several people, talk to as many people as you can, because uh, you know yeah. I think that story is can be told a million different ways, and that's that's inspiring.
2: Exactly.
0: I for me, it is definitely um, like it's it's always a struggle to find out what a reputable source is when like the quote unquote <laughs> reputable sources are not like <laughs> uh, because it's like. You know, um, like if you find like an academic. Journal. it'll say like, yeah, I don't know. This is like a ritual thingy uh, from this place and we're not sure what it was for. But then like, if it's just like you ask someone whose grandmother's grandmother was like, oh yeah, we use that for um, cooking or sewing or like, it's like the reputable sources are not reputable. So you have to sort of like rely on hearsay and you sort of have to, you know, sort of gauge the authenticity yourself and it's like i'm not a historian or a sociologist so i understanding that i will probably make some mistakes it's like you know if it's if it's someone um you know who has that experience and then i am gonna like listen to what they say um like uh i think it was i had to write a short story uh at one point and it was uh part of it was talking about like african musical instruments and so rather than like researching like journals or anything i just went on youtube and found african musicians talking about the instruments they were playing and it's like Perfect. yeah like a youtube video might not past like a uh you know uh mla source <laughs> but it's it's good enough for what i need uh because this is a person talking about their
1: own experience i totally feel that michelle like i personally believe and i it's <clears throat> just my perspective that you know we place a lot way too much emphasis i think just culture and i think american culture in general plays way too much emphasis on the truth and like you know factual sources because that you know, I think it's, I think it's largely a, a cultural thing that's been um, impressed upon, you know, as a, as a norm of society. But I really think there's a lot of power in, you know, telling different types of stories with the same intent. And like like you said, like, there's there's not a lot of like, you know, when you're really looking back and trying to, you know, find the sources of this, this information, whether it's, you know, drawn from African things or other cultures, too, there's not a lot of like, truth or fact around it, because, you know, it's all diluted. And like, what, I got advice one time, I asked someone, I was like um, someone I respect. I asked him like, well, how do you, you know, proceed forward in these situations where you're unsure about the facts and you're unsure if your interpretation is, you know, kosher or is not, you know, gonna offend anyone. And uh, he told me just like, you know, it's come from the heart, like, you know who you are. If you're coming from the heart and you're coming from the soul, you come from a good place then like, you can't go wrong, you can't have any regrets. And I was like, Okay, like, this is all, that's all I needed. Because I mean, to really go and do that work and do that hard work, like, you know, what Connie's doing is like going and trying to find people who actually speak that or, you know, it's just, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You know, yeah.
0: But Yeah, I, I'm definitely hoping as more of us have these conversations. And as more of us do this work, it gets easier. I am hoping that in like, maybe a few years time, it won't be so difficult to like find a primary source because i i do feel like these conversations are happening more and there are you know especially with the way the internet is the way social media is i feel like there are more people who are able to just talk about their own experiences and their own history and their own culture so i'm i am hoping that with time it will not be uh as difficult to get that truth totally yeah yeah
1: fingers crossed
2: yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) I mean, I like doing research and, you know, finding these things, but at some point it starts taking away from, like, when you've got to, like, build this whole new network, it starts taking time away from, you know, making your game better and things like that. So hopefully, like, once it's in place, like, it'll be a lot easier to, you know, do those things.
1: Mm -hmm. Kandi, are there any, like, networks you've, like, reached Mm -hmm. out to or, like, anything Mm -hmm. that, like, you know, groups that you've found that, you know, are... Like, kind of can connect you with with you know storytellers in africa or anything i'm just kind of curious
2: uh not yet because la- it's actually been uh just this last maybe like four or five days where what's I'm wrong like, you're okay, going too so slow you're going, need what's to what's do <laughs> <better> right <write. laughs> <laughs> seriously if you knew how many other projects i'm working on <laughs> oh no i bet, I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah i i've got like my next three years Probably, like oh. cool at this point, <laughs> dope, <laughs> I mean, dope, it's all stuff dope. that I want to do, though. So you know, but no, it's actually it is since uh it's the last like five days or so. I'm like, okay, I need to like really start getting into this. So I'm about to hit up probably I mentioned them before Utopia to see if there's anybody in there. I'm off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but they might know. uh There's a lot of people in there that have resources. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I will ask in there first and probably ask uh, a few other people that I know um, to see if they know and then go from there. So tap into my network first to see if they have anything extended and then that's the plan. That's
0: a good plan. Yeah, Um, I I did mention you know we've we've mentioned Utopia a couple of times now. Utopia hosted the BIPOC Vampire Game Jam. Um, You know they did the Creator Day bundle that was up um, earlier this month. Um, I could I could say more, but uh, you are the guest. I would love to (laughs) hear uh, more about your experiences and uh, more about what you have to say about Utopia.
2: Uh, yeah, sure. And I put the the link to their, their Twitter uh, in the private chat. So if y'all want to put that up, y'all can. Um, but yes, um, I am a, a part of Utopia. Utopia is another um, TTRPG stream community. Um, it is all POC and it was created um, by Jess Meyer. yeah it was created by jess meyer um and they basically wanted a place for like newbie uh ttrpg people to come and like learn how to play games learn how to stream games um have a place where they can actually um like show the games that they've made on stream and things like that and basically to learn from each other um so it's full of um designers and artists um producers uh things like that and it's it's been it's an amazing community um They've been doing some really good stuff uh, and I'm super excited to just kind of be a part of that community and learn from people in there. Um, I've actually had one person in there was actually able to help me like with the play test cause they've run, they had run play tests before. And so I was able to just kind of meet with them for about 15 minutes and go over like, this is what I have. Like, this, does this sound good? What am I missing? Um, and things like that. And so we all just kind of make time for each other to help each other out with things like that and to help, help grow as um, you know, ttrpg creators yeah i think
0: um as like the t- as ttrpg creators so much of what we're doing is new like rpgs have been around for 40 years but like you know the actual plays the streams the marketing the crowdfunding all of these things are relatively new and so when we are all isolated we just kind of end up reinventing the wheel over and over again so. and like especially as you know Black people, generally, we have less ends, we have less networks, we have less you know support so we end up you know doing a lot of unnecessary work and one thing i appreciate about utopia is you know it's just a place for people of color to come and uh be like yeah no this is a wheel it's round here you go uh you go ahead and put four of those on and you're good to go um and it's just uh just such an amazing resource uh for uh like by poc game designers actual play actors it's just I appreciate it so much.
3: Well, um, I'm curious, uh, Candy and Trey, Can you I already answered this a little bit, but what led you all to be interested in gaming in the first place? And how did that lead to wanting to make and create and bring this <laughs> stuff
1: forward? Sorry, it's standard question. I've got ai got a wild... Uh, go ahead, Candy, if you have a story about it.
2: Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I was in college, uh, my first year of college and I was in a, uh, like a co-ed dorm and the guy across the, the hallway, uh, was just like, like super geek me and him, best friends immediately. Like we were both geeks and nerds and, you know, comic books and games and all sorts of stuff, video games. And so, um, I had heard about like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but I had never played it. And so one day um, he comes up He comes up to me and he's like, hey, do you want to, you know, we want to play this game. You get to make your own character. And that right there was enough for me. I'm like, I get to create my own character. <laughs> and he like, and he had mentioned, oh, you could be like elves and all these other things. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Okay. This is super cool. And so I, I, you know what? I don't even remember if he actually had the books at that point. I feel like he didn't. I feel like he was just kind of like he had all of this stuff like memorized or something. It was just like, yeah, you do all this, and I don't know, but yeah. So I I made my my very first character, and we started playing. A few of us in the dorm started playing, uh, basically Dungeons and Dragons at this point, and um and we had fun. And the the end of the first year, he left, and it was we had stopped playing because he was like the one that knew everything <laughs> at that point. And so, um about. Twenty two about eight years ago, um, I got back into it with like a, a family group. And I'm and you know, a bunch of us were like, Hey, you know, let's do this, let's play. And so I ended up GMing, <laughs> like we started off, ended up GMing, and with 13 people, of course, that was way That's too many party. people. That's a party. Yeah, it, it really was. It really
1: was. With a
0: capital and, P. And, at yeah. that point you just make two tables i don't know why exactly would, yeah. yeah
2: i don't know eight years ago i yeah <laughs> i don't know what i was thinking but there were some people that i could tell that just kind of wanted to get a feel for it like they like they were like oh i just gotta you know figure out what it is and so finally got the group down um To there was like uh, seven people and then like a couple people would kind of be in and out. And so much more manageable at that point. Um, And so this family group and I would just, you know, we started playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons again. And then um, a few years after that, I started getting into like more of the like indie games and whatnot. Um, cause I started like watching like APs, like it wasn't a lot out then, but you know, watching APs and just kind of checking out some other games other than Ninja Dragons. And that's when I kind of got into like the, the more indie scene. And then we started our, you know dicey amazons in 2018 and i've been dming and running games ever since
1: nice did uh yep. did your gm from college ever pass down their uh non-existent book was it like a cookbook or something that they just like no,
2: no and i, I completely <laughs> lost track of it at that the point too. like jerome if you're out if you're listening <laughs> then <laughs> yeah.
4: hey we jerome pass that book <laughs> we want that right. book jerome <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah let me see my, my story is uh so like uh this was after college um i did americorps for a year in knoxville tennessee and it was like a big americorps group and there was a buddy of mine who we both knew we knew each other were nerds that we just like never really you know confessed our nerdyism to each other but one day he was like uh he was like yo trey what are you doing right now and i was like phil i'm sitting on my my bed like i'm, I'm reading like what's up he's like yo you want to uh play D&D? and i was like i don't know what that is but uh, if it involves drinks and drinks. Is that what you talk about? Like we could do drinks and drinks. He's like, no, 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 no. There's this Craigslist ad, and it's advertising a D D. I and I was like, you're gonna, you're gonna get me killed. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get me killed, Phil. Like what the, what, what the hell is it? And this is Knoxville, so it's, you know it's not like super, you know, uh, friendly. Uh, in in some some parts of the the city or whatever. So, anyways, there's this Craigslist ad from this uh <laughs> chef who I uh, was like, yo, at the it's it called the Players Tavern. And it was uh it was uh pretty close to me it was uh it was up so we went we ended up going or whatever and uh i didn't bring any weapons on me i just like i was like can i brave it and uh we went upstairs to his like his uh his the top bedroom because he lived in a duplex and uh when i when i went through the door and i saw what he had set up i was just like blown away he had a tv on this screen a tv on that screen a huge table with like eight seats and then he had like a, a meal out in front of us too. He was like, "Welcome to the players' town. And I was like, "This sounds very cool." And then, the, and then I just like after that, like we we played. Uh, I think we played the uh, what's the thing, Gundren Rock Seeker, whatever that first thing is in D and D, whatever that, the hell that is. The
2: uh, the starter kit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mine's a yeah yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I <laughs> uh I I created a, a, a Afro Samurai pretty much, and I missed every attack, and I think I missed uh, shooting a a goblin in the knee and. I was pretty bummed about that, but when I got home, I was like, I'm gonna redeem myself. I'm gonna go home and write this massive backstory about my character. And uh, (laughs) I ended up writing this long backstory that didn't really come into fruition or anything. And um, I think we played for maybe half a year, but then I eventually just Kind of after seeing the, this, he was a good GM too, but after seeing his story and stuff, it just, for me, it just didn't really, really reflect uh, reflect what I valued as far as like, you know, like I want to play something that, that highlights my culture and highlights me or highlights, you know, um, you know highlights my culture essentially. And uh, I just didn't see that because there's a lot of like uh, European and like, you know, colonial overtones in that one. And I just wasn't really down for it. So, anyways, that same, the ending of that uh, campaign for me was the same time I became a forever GM and I started like, you know, writing my own things. I think I played, uh, a, like an avatar less airbender hack of dnd that didn't work out played some adventure time dnd that didn't work out um i found genesis which is really dope because uh genesis was like uh well before i found genesis i played like star wars rpg which was really good because it's got space you know there's you can't really see cultures in it it's just kind of like you know like it's got some different vibes in it or whatever um but then after that, I, I got got into Genesis. And that's when I uh, started kind of digging uh, deeper and kind of writing like, you know, and doing research and <clears throat> African histories and, and such and trying to like figure out, you know, uh, you know, how do I adapt this for something I want to play? And then um, that just became too much work. <laughs> and I was like, this is doing this. I don't want to like, Gen- if you know Genesis, you have to like literally create everything from the bottom up. They give you like the, the you know, skeleton rules, which is really cool. But how much work you have to put into it is just like a lot yeah and G- so, genesis yeah.
0: it literally stands for generic system it, it yeah. gives you okay. nothing
1: okay <laughs> right. i didn't even know that <laughs> 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 um, but I uh, yeah actually I, I played so uh, in between picking up Genesis I moved to Minneapolis and uh, you know I was trying to meet people here and then uh, I started like an all black uh, like uh, Genesis group where he played uh, my setting which was Hatima the Broken Lands and it was just like a bunch of different cultures around Africa or whatever and it was uh, kind of like uh, Numenara um, mm-hmm. uh, but just like in Genesis or whatever and then I think that just kind of oh I, what happened was a COVID hit and then I stopped playing and <laughs> I picked up Lancer <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what happened that's what <laughs> yep, that's <laughs>
0: like, and then COVID hit and that's what happened is uh a relatable. <laughs> yeah. I think you yeah. might be the only person I've ever met who got into D through Craigslist.
1: Man, I'm, I'm telling you, Mattel, like I literally thought like that was like gonna be like the end, like how it's gonna end. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But that that you that must have been a really good friend. You were like, all right, if I oh, yeah, go yeah, with yeah. you yeah. and I gotta die, at least you know I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going with <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Phil was white and uh he was like New York, and you know he was like really demanding. When he can call the cops, he can really be demanding. I was like, all right, Phil, I got you. You just call the cops first. If anything bad happens, they're gonna come in two seconds, and I think we're good. Like you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Was a good thing Yeah, that's truly both uh just
0: wild stories for different reasons cuz again, I want to go back to 13 people. Logistically, 13,
2: how did <laughs> 13 people sitting around a dining table?
0: <laughs> like, did you even did you have 13 chairs? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right.
2: The, the place that I, that I was at, uh, is, was used to like large, large groups. So, uh, but yes, it, we had 13 chairs and a whole 13 people
1: that oh took forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cause so you had two bees as well as 13 people.
1: <laughs> this is all your family. This is all your family.
2: Uh, it's yeah. It's like my best friend's family, uh, which at this point is my family cause we've known each other for almost 20 okay. years. So oh, Yeah. Okay.
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: like i have heard of people running games for like eight and i feel like every time i've heard someone go yeah i ran a game for eight people it's like it goes off the rails so quickly so (laughs) i i have trouble envisioning
1: gming for 13 people
2: yeah it it was rough so So everybody uh, had fun but it was rough overrated
1: or underrated uh condi overrated 13 people or underrated uh
2: overrated Overrated, okay Uh, oh yeah yeah no i would never do that again never well my my max is six
0: I'm glad that it was at least fun. Um, Yeah. yeah, Thank you both so much. Um, It's been so great having you on. It's been so great talking. Um, uh, We are going to have two more guests on in just a bit. But before that, um, Trey, would you like to tell us, uh, what, uh, what do you have to plug? What, uh, you know, what are your links? What are your socials? What are your stores? Uh, go ahead.
1: Yes. Yes. I will plug things. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at a uh, station Ukua. That's Ukuwa that's U K U W A. Um, I've mostly post about my upcoming campaigns. I'm having an upcoming campaign right now with, uh, a, a really good friend of mine, the, the person who does some art, Siege, his, uh, one of his partners, um, uh, she runs a really awesome podcast called Replay Podcast, which features BIPOC and women-led uh, 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 nerdy folk in the industry. Definitely recommend uh, looking at that one. And uh, two other shout-outs to two of my players. One of my players is uh, creating uh, – he's a BIPOC dude. He's uh, creating a, 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 a high-fantasy – uh, I don't even know how to explain it. Sci-fi, high fantasy thing. It's called Dark Jas- Dark Last Sojourners. Check it out. And then another one is uh, Tim, uh, who's uh, doing uh, Beacon, which is uh, also a really great tactical RPG. Game. So shout out to... Nice. And uh, shout out to Condi. I know she's going to do it herself, but shout out to her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so... As if you were here earlier, you probably heard I do a lot of stuff. Um, you can follow me at candy underscore Janine. That is K A N D I underscore J E A N N E on Twitter. Um, I also run the Dicey Amazons uh, Twitters as well, or socials as well, and that's just at Dicey Amazons. Um, But the Dicey Amazons are a a cohort of uh, women of color and non-binary people of color. Uh, We play TTRPGs, we do video games, we do board games, and we have nerdy talk shows um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on our channel, so we do a lot. Um, And then you can find my games uh, at my itch. And that's uh, candyjanine at itch.io. Um, so Cutthroat is on there. It's like five bucks. Uh, Kids on Hoverboards is on there for free. And then Briarbound will at some point be on there. But I am talking about it a lot more on my Twitter now um, that I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm, I'm I'm ready to start running with it. Um, and so just follow me on Twitter if you want to know more about Briarbound. Briarbound. Um, let's see. Other than that, yeah, <laughs> that's good.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, it has been great having you. Everybody, go check out those games. Um, you know, uh also, so here's the thing. I know Lancer isn't technically your game to plug, but you oh, made yeah, it yeah. for Lancer, so you gotta get people to play Lancer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. gonna remind or I'm gonna let everybody <laughs> <Thanks>. know. <laughs> The Lancer Core Rulebook is available online for free. There's a free version that doesn't have the GM section, but if you go to, uh, if you look up Lancer RPG on itch.io, there is a free version that has all the rules you need to play um so you can get lance for
1: free and then you can pay trey for a field guide to Mif- mifikane yes yes and you can come play with me on uh, my my discord station ukwa station i will gm games for you and probably ruin your uh, your whole experience so <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you both so much thank you. Thank, you
0: thank you hello Uh, So now we have the host of the Secret Nerd podcast, Navar Jackson. Say hello. Hey, how's it going? And we have uh, RPG veteran and author of Spoken on the Wing, Quinn Murphy. Hello. Yeah, Quinn, uh, you've been on the show before. Uh, Navar, this is your first time. But yeah. uh, it's great to have both of you on. Um, you know, um, we in the first half of the show, we got to talk about a lot of indie RPGs, which is great. We got to talk about some Lancer. We got to talk about some Genesis. Uh, but now we got the Pathfinder crew. That's right. I don't, I don't yeah, know if there's really world. hand signs for
4: Pathfinder,
0: but I'm just going <laughs> yeah, to pretend
4: they
5: are. Try somewhere. <laughs> yeah. somewhere. <laughs>
4: well,
0: listen, If whatever hand signs we throw up, if we do it with confidence, people will assume it's a thing. That's true. So that's that's true. true. We have that. <laughs> well, you privilege.
4: know, I, I'll, I'll just pretend I came out of Guns and Gears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, all right. So um, it is great to have both of you here. Um So Navar, you have your own show, um, where you also, uh, do a lot of work to feature, um, you know, marginalized creators, BIPOC creators, queer creators. Um, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about it.
5: Yeah, um, definitely. So I created the show in the summer, um, last year and yeah, my, my goal was just to basically show people, um, out there that, you know, these games are for everyone. Um, and of course I'm not the only person doing it, but I just, you know, felt like I had something to say, something I wanted to say for sure. And, um, i hoped that i i would find a way to bring it out of other people as well um and and so far so good uh it's been it's been growing a lot um and it's been nice to just meet a bunch of uh, amazing people you know creators of all types sometimes just people who play games um and do other stuff and um yeah but yeah definitely a focus on diversity and inclusion and you know just trying to spread positivity and you know make a a great place for for folks to come together and like listen to stories about other people who may or may not be like them.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I was recently a guest on Secret Nerd Podcast. Yes. I had a great time. Um, so, you know, just just throwing that out there. So, I I'm a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> but uh it's is it is an awesome show. Something Thank that you. I really appreciate. Um, uh, something I really appreciate is I feel like on a lot of these sort of RPG talk shows, you kind of hear the same stories and same experiences a lot, which is not a bad thing. You know, we're all in the same field, so we have a lot of overlap. Uh, But what I appreciate is because you talk to so many different types of people like you've talked to like voice actors uh you've had like players writers like because you have this like you know breadth of talent that you interview uh i feel like i hear so many different sides of things that i don't normally get to hear
5: yeah um it's been it's been a lot of fun that way and i think what has been really interesting for me too is like not only that but then the locations of people and how that changes um you know their experience in in how they get into TTRPGs. um you know what their first game is like in a lot of cases um you know for a lot of the people who are poc like you know whether or not they had other pocs to play with when they were growing up um and whether or not that played a factor into like if being a nerd was okay, or if it was just like a general thing. So there's so many different like aspects of that. Um, the hardest part for me is just trying not to repeat my own stories. Cause uh, sometimes I meet people who haven't listened to, you know, a bunch of the, uh, the episodes. And so it's like, you know, um, I think one way that I really try to, engage with people is just relating through my own stories and <coughs> excuse me. Um and just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, just relating with them. And so um sometimes those same stories will come up and I try to uh, make them, you know, less of a, a detailed as I as I did in a previous episode. But um yeah, it's it's so much fun to to just get different aspects of it, different perspectives and point of views. Um and just to really see like you know I had on the DM of an all black um D podcast. And he was like, grew up in New York, around a bunch of like rappers from the '90s, and played D&D, and those two things coexisted perfectly fine together. And in my brain, like, I could never imagine that happening where I grew up. So it was just so cool to be like, yeah, this is incredible that you know that this could happen. But yeah,
0: it's so much fun. That is so awesome. Um, and also, I'm also imagining a bunch of New York rappers playing d d and that sounds like the greatest thing I've ever heard i wish i, I would could be in that room
4: i would i would give basically like everything in my life to play role playing games with like the Wu-Tang Clan. because I, 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 I think i think i think it would be i think it would be the most amazing game ever like i mean you just hear their stuff they they have like imagination for for literally like
0: how long have they been together
4: like that that much imagination <laughs>
0: yeah
4: that would be Seriously. incredible
0: and, yeah. you know, they don't talk about it, but you know the Wu-Tang Clan has a D&D group. You know they do. Yeah. Or yeah. they're
5: LARPing or something. They're doing yeah, something. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, 100%. So mm-hmm. it's just, I mean, it's its interesting to see, the, you know, that those different aspects of it. And, and to see people come out and, you know, get excited about a story that resonated with them or whatever it is. Um, And that's... I, I love that part of it. So anytime I can help do that, it's it always feels really amazing to just add to the space.
0: Yeah. and you know, i I do love uh, just getting to hear new experiences because um something we were talking about in sort of the pre-show um, lobby is that as black well, as creators in general, we tend to find our little bubbles of people who create similar things and mm. we share with them. And what often happens is that little bubble will have like a couple of black people in it or like a couple of POC in it. And then it's not until you get out of that bubble and you pop over to the next bubble, you're like, Oh, there's more of us over here. Cool. And, um, you know, it's something I love about, uh, being on social media, especially is that you, you, get to see out into the wider world and you see like there's so many more of us doing this than i ever knew there were
5: yeah it uh i mean i avoided social media like a plague prior to making this podcast and when i got involved um and slowly over that over this time it's been amazing just to you know meet so many incredible people like um you know you guys and and um you know joining utopia and like things like that like it's it's just amazing that there's groups up there like all poc podcasts that do actual play stuff is that's one of my favorite things in the world to to listen to and to see and so um yeah it's it's so cool to kind of join those things together
4: yeah if you told me if you told like 11 year old that like not only one day would he not be like one of the only like black kids um in this space um doing this stuff but that he'd be able to like just like flip on the tv and just like see like you know black people playing games designed by black people right and just like like and have like a choice right and there's like multiple shows and stuff like that he would he'd be like oh that sounds really cool but also i don't believe yeah. but but here we are
5: yeah
0: it, it's like even like three or four years ago if you had told me like this actual play thing that people are doing there's going to be an actual play show that is all black players and performers Four, three or four years ago i might not have believed it but now we're at the point where there's more than one yeah mm. like
4: you like you have to say which which one right like you have to pick it's it's yeah. pretty cool it's it's, it's a is better than pretty cool it's awesome yeah
5: it's so good It Um, it's just it's just incredible just to have representation like that um you know because it really makes a difference i think for a lot of new people coming in because there's a ton of new very young people surprisingly um who are getting into the world of like you know 22 years old and designing games and you know writing and uh things like that and just like doing actual play podcasts and it's like you know when i was 22 years old i was not at all, thinking that that was even a possibility.
3: Uh, so, yeah, it's cool to see.
0: So, you, um, oh, sorry,
3: go ahead. Uh, with your podcast, Navar, do you have any favorite episodes or guests or something like really surprising that uh, our listeners might want to like be their introduction to what you're doing?
5: Oh, that's tough. I love. of the episodes that have come out um, and that 1% is just like uh, I won't get into it but um, I I, it's tough like I mean he's on here but like when I got the chance to talk to Quinn Murphy that was insane because I never even knew that there was black designers out there um, and couldn't imagine it and I didn't honestly expect for him to even say yes Uh, so it was like it was just so cool because I just created the show and I was like I don't know what's gonna happen but I think, you know, anytime that somebody's willing to come on and just like really share deep stuff, I think is always so incredible um, and just getting those uh, really perspectives. But I mean, you can seriously, I would just encourage anybody. Uh, well, I would first encourage you because obviously it's my podcast to so go listen to the beginning and start from there and just listen on. Um, but you can always just go through and look at the show notes and see. I kind of just give like different um, clips of like what, you know, what we get into. Um, some people are willing to talk about like, you know, um, what it was like for them to come out or to have uh, gender I- identity issues and and how that affected um, their games and their lives. Um, you know, sometimes we talk about the horrific violence that we have, um, had to deal with in our lives being a POC. You know, the episode that came out today, uh, touched on that a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I think anytime that stuff is always happening, you know, it's, I think it, it's helpful for people out there to listen to, but I also, it's sometimes it's nice to just have a, a mellow episode where we just, you know, only talk positively too so um there's a good balance in there i think for everyone yeah
0: i i think i definitely agree like sometimes you need to talk about those heavy topics sometimes you need to address the elephant in the room mm-hmm. but sometimes you just need to vibe out and have fun yeah
5: yeah and it's so for myself it's always just a matter of kind of um doing my best to be like a very active listener and you know if i bring something up and and the person i'm talking to you doesn't like latch onto it then i just move on i don't try to like pressure people or push people into situations um if I'm ever asking a question that I'm just very curious about that we haven't brought up I always you know let them know like I can take it out if we need to um but yeah I just you know I enjoy creating a safe space for people to come talk to me and I think that the the payoff is there when people listen to it um and you can hear uh those stories um uh, that people are willing to share
0: yeah for sure um so yeah quinn so you've been on this show you've been on Navarre's show so Mm -hmm. i know um you know you you've already spoken about it yeah i've been on the show what what have you what what, what have y'all been thinking
4: letting me go mad on all these shows
0: (laughs) yeah well it's just because we know you have so much to share you know (laughs) we've got to get you on a bigger stage Mm -hmm. um indeed um, but I was gonna say, so uh, I know a lot of stuff you've done. Like, I you got the chance to talk about like the monkey expands and like spoken on the song win. Um, so you know, I don't want to spend too much time focusing on those um, unless there's something you really want to say. No. Um, yeah, no. uh, but uh what i really want to talk about is um is just your sort of presence in the rpg sphere um because i feel like so many people uh look to you for like advice and like about like just like your insights into writing adventures into being a game master um you know i i when i whenever i see you talking about games on twitter I, I take notes because you always uh, share your insights in a way that is uh, helpful to new players and to even experienced writers. Um, do you, I guess, how does that feel for you, like, having those eyes on you? Do you feel like... Uh... So, I mean, the perfect thing is, the perfect thing about
4: Twitter is, like... You don't really have to like feel eyes on you, right? Like, I just, you know, it, it, it's very weird because it's like sometimes I have uh, Twitter is like kind of like my therapeutic space. Uh, like when like I have something on my brain and it's like, like I'm trying to like do my day job and like computers, I'm trying to like write stuff and like you know, write like books and like design games and like do all this other stuff, and then there's like some theme that like gets in my head, and it's like, I just oh my God, I'm just going to like chew and like ruminate on this thing all day, or I'm going to get on Twitter and I'm going to just like be like, look, this thing is like tearing away at my brain. Here's kind of like what I've been thinking about it. Here's where I've got everything. And then I just, you know, let forth. And it's uh, almost always amazing that anybody <laughs> 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 <I'm> just- <laughs> It's just kind of, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I- but, I but I do it also in the spirit of like, it's not just event, um, you know, like, like, like I have something in my head to express, but it's like, if, well, if I'm going to express it publicly, right, uh, you know, if I have stuff that I'm just like, ugh, like, I'm, I've got too much emotion to be rational about, and then I like, you know, I, I literally, I talk to a literal therapist or like, you know, people who are close to me, but if it's like something like creatively, where it's like I'm trying to sort of sort it out. And it's like, well, how can I uh express this in a way that gives myself or others tools, right, to do it? Like I I, I feel like um I feel like one of the things that's poisoned RPG discourse over the uh decades I've been involved with it is that everybody's looking for like the answer, mm. right? And 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 there are are if there was an answer in RPGs that would have been discovered, we'd all be playing one game, right? And and no, I don't want to start a, a fifth ed D indie- about <laughs> 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 the, the one game, right? But 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 like if there was a, if there was, a, if, there was a, if there was an answer to RPG design, we'd have it, we'd do it, we'd play it, and you know, move on, right? But the fact is that RPGs are maybe the most personal game design space of all games, right? They are made for different psychology, right? And and different like rules land in different brains differently different procedures different settings they all like work for different people and so we keep thinking about we keep trying to come up with these like universal rules for everything but when really what we need are lenses we need sort of like ways to see what's in front of us right and then and then from once you can see a thing clearly or in a useful light then you can actually determine what you want to do with it And so it's like these days it's like I spend a lot of time just trying to like offer lenses right, Um, because I think I think those are I think those are truly useful scalable things for anybody and it's like I don't want I don't want people to think like me, I want them to hopefully use something that I put out to think like themselves, but in like a kind of like a picture, like, Oh, if I do this through this lens, cool. I can make my whole other thing that like, you know, Quinn never thought of when he even like offered that like that, that to me is like the best thing. And when, when it happens, it's like, yeah, you know, it makes me want to cry. Like, it just like, you know, it, when someone's like, Oh, I that you were talking about that thing. And then I did this thing with it. And you're like, oh, like oh, Holy cow. That's so amazing.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> I love that. And I love that idea of like offering lenses. Um, you know because i i agree i don't want to give people answers i want to give people tools and i think my favorite thing is people when people use those tools in ways that i never envisioned
4: mm-hmm. yeah and that's and that's what like rpgs to me are that's like one of the things that that keeps me coming back to them as a, a player and a gm and a designer is that like they're these tools For, for not, you know, I want to say just telling stories and being social, but like they're like they've grown into like so much more than that, like with the rise of like actual plays there are like tools for like kind of for like, you know, you know, people make stories for other people for like a third party audience, Um, and then we can enjoy the story we can enjoy stories. And the people that are making the stories, right? Like, you know, Dimension Twenty is like one of my favorite APs out there, and they do such a good job in at, at letting you enjoy the process of a story being made, right? Um, you know, and and so there are all these like different kind of like things that it does. Is it you know, RPGs are the most human game you can play, and that's like I, I don't know that the, 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 they will
0: always hook. It. I I love that. Truly.
5: Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I think now too, what I've seen a lot of is people m- making games, specifically just to explore emotions or things like that, like, um, which is something I definitely would have never thought, uh, you know, even like, I don't consider myself like a war gamer by any means, but I do enjoy, um, you know, I enjoy playing combats. I don't know that I enjoy listening to combats as much as it's hard to keep track of sometimes when you're doing stuff, um, at least for me, but but yeah i it's interesting now that there's spaces where people have created this stuff to like you want to just you know explore a relationship on a one-on-one game like here's a game to do it here's some mechanics Go have fun. Um, and it's it's cool just to see how people are kind of running away with some of this stuff.
3: I'm curious, especially from your two's perspective, like Quinn, uh, you've been in this space longer than I have. And uh, in Navarre, you're exploring so many different perspectives in the space with your podcast. Where do you want to see the the, the uh, TTRPG space go from here? Like, where do you desperately want to see change and growth? Um, more people playing Pathfinder 2e than 5e. Um, <laughs> that's uh, no, but
5: honestly, honestly, I think just um, similarly to similarly to what Quinn was just saying, I think just like a place where it's it's not about which game is better or um you know who designed that single thing it's just a matter of like creating like people having the space the inspiration the liberty um and the desire to like want to create really amazing stuff and just share it and like people being open to the idea of playing something that's not just their you know d20 giant game um because i love pathfinder 2 but i i exploring other games and it's just the the game itself is the is is the fun part right if like um you know getting around with your your friends and and playing a game that you're all interested in ha- is a super fun thing um i don't run like horror uh, i i should say, i don't really run horror games on pathfinder at least i don't think so and i've been playing delta green lately and m- me and my home group is just, like we're in love with the game um and so it's just you know, finding those different places to kind of explore different types of of play, I think is is what I would enjoy seeing more of.
4: I think uh, I'm going to be greedy. I, mean, I, I got two things, um, <laughs> but they're sort of tied together. Uh, the what I'd like to see is um, a more robust language of critique mm. um, in the RPG space. Um, you know, like similar to what I was talking about kind of like, you know, that universal versus lenses, right? Like, I want, we're, we're very stilted by how we're able to talk about RPGs, right? And then for, for my game to be good, your game has to be bad. Even though even though your game is like a narrative game about like anthropomorphic bunnies, and my game is like a simulation of like space marines at war, right? Right? Like like these, these aren't even the same game. They're not in the planet. Let's please stop talking about them in reference to each other, right? A game to talk about, a, a, way, a language to talk about games uh, in reference to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then that that lets us then find the different sort of qualities and like isolate quality and aspects of games. And it helps um, raise the bar on on design, right? Because there's a lot of great design going on Right, but it's going on in like islands and pockets from each other, and we don't have we don't have a sh- like a, a good language of critique and analysis. So this stuff just happens far away, right? You know these. You know, hey, people aren't like like there are tons of people. I'm gonna uh, here's my pathfinder plug. There are tons there are tons of people missing out on like sweet elegant game design because they're just like oh it's just like D D it's freaking not mm-hmm. right. Um, but but if if you if, but because we're divided, we don't we don't get there right you know and, and and similarly you know there are people who aren't seeing like beautiful kind of like indie game stuff that uh, because they're like, well, I'm just safe where I'm at right um, And then along with that and sort of associated with it, not directly tied into it, but like there's an overlap is I want more safety hmm. in games right we, we you know we have safety tools and and things like that and that and that's that's good but i feel like i feel like when i scan over social media it feels like every other day there is some person um being kind of like a a a bad actor um and and not just being a bad actor but a person with a lot of power being a bad actor and then they sort of like whoopsie and they you know make their mea culpas and then they just sort of you know slip around and then um you know uh Uh, till everybody you know they log off for three months till everybody forgets and then they come back on uh you know and 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 they sort of poison these spaces um so uh, you know and uh so people don't feel kind of safe to um design and you know kind of come out and sort of be themselves and then and then and then sometimes when people are doing their design and being themselves they're having to go through all of these you know they're being attacked and going through all this stuff and there's not really much of a safety net to help them sort of in their expression so i would love more safety so we can really there, there's a lot of i i i have watched multiple people get chased out of this hobby by some of our worst, worst bad actors, right? I'm not gonna mm. get into the whole thing, right? But like we all kind of know who these folks are, right? Um, and and I have watched the people who are no longer designers, no longer in the space because it was too much. And I and I don't blame them. You know, i, I wish they were here, but I understand why they're not. Um and I don't want to see that. Uh, honestly i don't want to see that ever again um and so those are the two things i I feel like if we had those things we'd be in an amazing place in an even more amazing place yeah
5: Yeah. i think along those lines uh now that you mentioned that one thing that i felt what that i one thing i went through in the first like three months was kind of joining the um ttrpg space and then Feeling like, oh, like people are using these like uh, hashtags and like saying like, oh, yeah, we're inclusive. We want to like bring everybody together and like feeling like those were just empty words. And so I think I would love to see more people actually like live that, like create spaces that felt safe for POCs to go into. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I talked about Utopia and that's one that's obviously like doing the actual thing. Um, But there are other spaces that think that they are that and and are just not doing that. Um, And I think that for me, while I wasn't going to just walk away, it was very disheartening at times to be like, okay, so you said this, but that's not actually what you mean. And I'm still like kind of floating here on an island, trying to reach out to people and, and, you know, create essentially my own community at the time of just like, you know, whomever um, was actually going to be genuine. And so uh, I would love to see more people doing what they actually say they're going to do.
0: That would be. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I I 100% agree. Safety is something that we need more of. We need to be thinking about like, you know, people who you deal with online are not screen names, they're people and we need to treat each other like people more. Um, you know, and it's definitely not always that simple. Um, but I absolutely agree we need more safety and to touch on something you said, Navar, um it is always troubling like being a person of color in a like majority white space and feeling like you have that responsibility to sort of make the space better for the next person who comes in because it is um it's just such a heavy weight to put on anyone and it does sort of feel like being held hostage where it's, it's like if i leave without doing this work then someone else is going to come in and have this bad experience. And like, so now I'm putting it on myself to make sure that doesn't happen.
5: Um, yeah. I think um, one thing that I've tried to do, because um, I still do hate social media. Like, I, you know, it just sucks. Um, and it's just kind of draining. There's times, obviously it's really good. Like I wouldn't have met all of you without it. Um, but, uh yeah, doom scrolling is a real thing. So um, my, m- what I was going to say is just like, I think what I've tried to do now is just like, anytime I find new POCs who are like kind of just joining the, hullabaloo of everything like reaching out to them and being like you know not saying like oh don't talk to these people or whatever not trying to do any of that because i think people should be able to make their own decisions and their own relationships but definitely just being like i will listen to what you've got or check out your project and then do my best to try um to lift you up and so a lot of times like that's what my twitter account is it's just like boosting other pocs in the space um uh, or other mo- marginalized folks in the space, um, in whatever small way I can, just because I I think it's, it's important to not feel like you're on an island, especially if this is like something you're passionate about, and you want to get into it, like, you don't want to experience that, that burnout, um, you know, within a couple months, because you don't feel like people are, are really taking you seriously,
0: I guess. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah, I think the hardest. I think the hardest thing, the hardest time I ever had um, getting into like like when I started sort of like um, blogging and designing. Um, the hardest, the hardest part is not actually when people hate your stuff. Is when nobody says anything about your stuff, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, it's, it's like when no one, when no one will, when no one will spend any time with anything that you're doing or like try and engage it. And all and, and, and like one of the things is like i i try and do is like i try and keep sort of my eyes out for things and to be that i mean i i mean for my own blogging it was like i i i was doing this for e-blog for like months just sort of writing out my stuff and it was like literally somebody um who i'm now like really good friends with like kind of like stumbled across it and was like oh my god and they, and they were like they were like a really popular blogger in the space at that time. And they were like, Oh my God, I found this thing. You should check out this thing. And then it's like, you know, like I remember one day, like my traffic, like, like went through, like it went from like zero to like, uh, like hundreds of people and I was like what is going on here right you know and I saw the refer and you sort of you know it's like I, I I, don't know if I ever will do those kind of numbers Um, to to, to you know I, I can't like send hundreds or thousands of things to people you know person person's site or something um, but I can be a person to be that first set of eyes I can like actually when I have the time like just go and like look right and sort of to magnify and be like oh this is really cool like you, you should check this out right um you know and 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 just you know be be honest right you know just be like oh i like this you know blah 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 and and share and um for for i know for me that meant a lot in this space getting started um and as and as a, as a person of color that that is a harder thing to get um so uh that is one one of many things that i try like small things that i try to to do to help yeah
5: yeah there's a all poc pathfinder 2e um actual play called Makers Misfits uh, and they're playing Extinction Curse and it's such a great show. Um, And yeah, Joe, the Joe, the GM is the first guest I didn't know that I had on my show. Um, I reached out to him like the first day I created my Twitter account because I had found their podcast. Um, And since then, um, you know, we've become uh, good friends and um, and I'm constantly, you know, shouting out their show. And there was a, somebody on Twitter was like, you know, if you could hire a spokesperson to be your or you hire somebody to be your spokesperson, who would you do it? And he was like, well, Navar, Secret Nerd already does this anyway. <laughs> and it's true because, I, you know, any chance I get, anytime I'm on something, I'm always like, hey, you know, people should check the show out because it really is a good show. Um, and I think that that's tough as well to be like, you know, we are all POC and we're proud of that. um, And then deal with the fact that, you know people will read that sometimes and just move on and not really give it a mm-hmm. chance um and that's tough so yeah any chance that i can get I, I i agree i i try to do the same thing with you know um whatever small following i have like uh you know sometimes people will check it out and i think that's like the coolest thing in the world uh, anytime somebody's like hey i went and listened to this show because you mentioned it
4: mm-hmm. that's, that's how yeah. i found out about makers misfit
1: yeah
4: honestly you you you, were, you would talk about them and stuff like that and was like okay let me and you always talking about like like let me let, let me check this out right and then it's like i listened to an episode and just fell out of my chair <laughs> yes right like it's and so it was just like okay good one good one yeah. like i'm here for this
5: yeah yeah that's wonderful
0: um so we do have uh, a question in the chat so mm. i'm actually i'm going to answer it first i'm going to put on my hot take hat okay um and then i'll i'll let you weigh in so i think this is in reference to talking about like people claiming to have like poc safe spaces Mm. um and it's um how much is people being disingenuous versus oblivious to the reality and how can we address the latter um something that i often say is that uh being ignorant to bigotry is a privilege and it is a choice um like if you are someone who is even if you're not online if you look at the news if you Uh, If you are just looking at the world around you, you have to keep making the choice over and over again to not be aware of, like, certain things. And, you know, we don't always know what we don't know, but... I think I personally I think a person who is claims to be oblivious is being disingenuous Um, and nobody's perfect everyone makes mistakes and not everyone is going to know the specifics of the right things to say and the right things to do Um, but I think a well-intentioned person who cares about doing the right thing is not going to use being oblivious as an excuse yeah I think
5: yeah as well as that I think Um, you know, I had a guest on who talked about, we were talking about like, you know, well-intentioned people who were doing this and it's, um, and they said, you know, it's not just about being well-intentioned, it's about being anti-racist. And I think that that's an important thing to think about when you're looking at the space, because I think that plenty of people, um, it's easy to just write BLM on your Twitter account and never look back, you know what I mean, like, uh, but, you know, are you actually supporting um, POCs and, and black people? Are you like, actually, and I don't always mean like monetarily because not everybody can do that. You know, like, I'm a father with three kids and uh, not high paying job, like I can not just dish out money left and right either. Um, but it does mean like, you know, are you giving their shows a chance? Uh, are you checking out their artwork? Are you telling other people about it who might be able to do something about it? Um, or are you just saying that you do these things and then and then moving on? And um, I think, I mean, in the small sphere of obviously this TTRPG Twitter space, if you will, like that's kind of the easy, uh, one of the easy ways to do it. But I think, yeah, it's, it's really about like, how are you even having these conversations with people? Are you reaching out and trying to uplift somebody um, when you see that they're trying to get something off the ground, things like that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in, a, in a similar vein, uh, I, my, my own internal metric on this is I kind of have like a little like um, sort of like a performance to resolve ratio meter. It's like a really weird device stuck in my head is I, I, I would show you on a cross-section, but it was, your viewers don't want to see this. But like basically, it's just like how much energy are you spending? talking and performing and how much energy are you spending doing a thing right and like 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 because the actions that you do are are actually like you can throw a big performance but that like actually takes energy right like you know throwing up a you know like you know coating yourself in blm and doing all this other stuff right and 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 saying the words is important right like like you know if you you, if you can't like say the stuff right like you probably won't do um by you helping people doing the other stuff like that and so i, I for for me I, I i tend to focus on on just those, those sort of actions and i tend to for, for my own safety and if i see sort of um non-marginalized people being too loud and not have like a ton of like like i can't see a ton of like supportive actions like i have to just you know it's really judging them but i was just like okay like i d- also don't feel particularly safe because c- c- especially if you're making a lot of noise then you're also bringing a lot of heat but if you're gonna mm-hmm. you know a lot a, a, sometimes a lot of people make people make noise they bring a lot of heat and then when it's time to actually do the work of like protecting the people that drawn fire to their ghost right you know been in that situation before don't want to put myself in that situation again.
0: yeah um so something another thing that i often say is I have a very specific definition of ally Um, and you're gonna hear this again because I did a podcast and I say the same thing on that. Um, My definition of an ally whether it's like a white ally to me as a black person or a straight ally to me as a queer person my definition of ally is someone who would take a bullet for me. Hmm. So like all of the other stuff like you know saying the right words and like you know holding out the posters all that stuff is great. All that stuff is good. If you're not going to physically protect me, you don't count. Because that's, at the end of the day, that's, what, that's where the money is. That's, you know, um, all of the great slogans in the world don't matter if you're not protecting me from harm. So, you know, it is, it it's not... An easy bar, and it's intentionally not an easy bar, and it's not something that I would ask of everyone. But I think if you want to call yourself an ally, that is the standard you should hold yourself to.
5: Yeah, I think. Um, one last thing I think I'll add to that too is like knowing when not to talk. Um, I think when you kind of talked about that too, but like there's a lot of times that you know I have on my show, like platformed a lot of people who are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, But I don't go out there and think that it's my right to just like speak on things that I have never experienced. You know what I mean? Um, And it's so easy to just be like, quote, retweet. I'm going to just get into some stuff. Um, But, you know, I think there's a lot of times, even if I feel like, hey, you know what? I have an anecdote that I could probably share. Like, is it my place right now to take up somebody else's space? Um, 99% of the time, it's not. And I think a lot of people could really benefit from taking a second to think about that very thing and being like, is me saying this thing really that important? Is it going to actually benefit anybody? Or is it just going to take up space that somebody else, um, take away space really from somebody else. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I would just encourage anybody who, who is thinking about that, just like, take a second and think about it. Because if you're really not a part of that community, like, you know, it, you probably don't need to say anything right now. Because um, it Probably is not going to make a difference. And it's really just going to take away eyes from what's important.
4: And social media makes it so easy to get like instantly mobilized. Like you've got like a theme in your head and you're like, yes, I'm going to like stamp the butt," And you're just like, hey, like, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I literally just like have rules of discourse mm-hmm. for myself for social media so I don't do those same things right where it's just like hey does this thing need to be said by like right now by me yeah. right or 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 could I is there somebody else that I could just imagine, like oh this person is saying the thing who's in the group and like I can amplify their stuff right I can I can I can be part of what they're doing this is being like stepping back
0: yeah yeah um, thank you for sharing that uh, and thank you for um, you know validating my hot takes um... <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm i'm am sad that you don't actually have a hot <laughs> i i would just i'd never be able to take it off i mean yeah. i wouldn't be able to put it on to begin with. once i got mean, it on i wouldn't be able to take it off
4: i mean i mean that's a whole other separate problem i'm just saying the first <laughs> yeah. problem is we got to get you the hat yeah and then we'll deal with the second one <laughs>
0: um but yeah i um you know i do say th- i do enjoy having this conversation because i think it is a very important conversation and you know i appreciate being able to like use this platform and talk about it but um we do also want to get paid so um <laughs> so navar let's talk yeah. about the last detective yeah um so the
5: last detective is is uh my first ever game that i've created um i had I had a a wonderful creator on uh, Lex, uh, um, goes by Titan, Titanomiki RPG on on Twitter. And they did, they created a system with D4s um, and did a game jam. And during the interview, we were talking about it and they were like, you should definitely just give it a shot. And uh, as we were talking, I was like, oh, okay, I can kind of see how this would work. And so, yeah, I created a game where you play the last detective anybody would want to call. Um, the reason I made it that way is because it just has like four degrees of success and failure. So you could really just roll a one and just bomb out. Um, and I think if you're professional at anything, you probably have a much less uh rate of failure. Um probably anyway. So I made it that way. And uh yeah, and so you play as a detective. You can decide if you want to be a private detective, um, work for an agency, whatever it is. Um, but essentially you go out and try to solve a murder. Uh, I created a table to create a murder. If, if, you know, if you're not somebody who, um, thinks about murders all the time, which is hopefully most of you, um, I created, uh, so yeah, it's basically just a way that you can kind of roll some D eights, um, and come up with, you know, what happened, where it happened. Did anybody see it? How many other victims are there to make it like a serial, um, killer type of deal? And uh, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun to play. Um, it's very much narrative based because it's kind of like whatever decision you decide uh, to do and then you roll when you need to roll. Um, and what's really cool is that uh, a gentleman out of Spain enjoyed the game and is translating it into Spanish. So that is yeah. very cool.
0: Your first game and you're already getting like international <laughs> localization.
5: Like, I, yeah, I don't I have no idea how it happened. I, I wish yeah, I could what? give tips
0: to people, but <laughs> <laughs> just the poll that you have like the sway this t- <laughs> yeah it's um it, it's really
5: exciting i mean when he approached me about it i was like yeah that's um amazing i don't <laughs> um and i and what's really cool for me especially um i live in new mexico i live in a, a state that is spanish is our second language um my mom's uh husband is from Mexico, uh, speak Spanish. My mom speaks Spanish. Um, my wife is Hispanic, and so like to be able to add something, you know, whether or not people play. Like I think it's just cool that I that there is now a game that people who don't speak English can just pick up and play. Uh, soon, it hasn't the Spanish version hasn't come out yet, but um, I really love that idea. And yeah, also True Detective or The Last Detective was my cop out of not making a true crime podcast because i don't like them and uh, i don't want to make one but they <laughs> are very popular so <laughs> here we go so i this, do love true crime your, episodes. so
0: yeah this is your answer to the true crime podcast is the yeah. Last detective yeah
5: mm-hmm. like you put on true detective or luther um or one of those shows i'll watch that all day but i don't want to hear somebody who has no idea what it's like to be a detective just talk about crimes i think it's a little bit creepy and i think it's just i just don't get it so more power to them because they're very popular shows but uh it's not my thing all right it's
0: your turn for the hot take hat all right i know yeah sorry i guess i should have warned you uh no no um i that's definitely a valid opinion um i i it's just there's so many and you would think that like at a certain point Someone would go. Maybe this well is dry, but they don't. Mm-mm. Yeah, my, I don't. The, go ahead, Quinn. Yeah,
4: my my main beef with the true crime pod, podcast, gonna just is in Um, here's my hot take hat. I don't headphones. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, the is I I really get annoyed by their style of like storytelling. They're like, oh, and they like lead you down this path, and then they're like, and then you're like, oh, 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 and then they're like and here's this thing that we actually knew from the start that like you would like that they like discovered from the start, but we were going to tell you this like five episodes in, because otherwise if we told you this, you never would have hung on. Um, And so we sort of like, you know, they sort of like lead you on and then like give you the relevant facts. Well, after they were like the time that
0: they were discovered, I I always,
4: I always feel like a bit like robbed when they do. that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I I was having a conversation with my girlfriend because she was listening to a podcast um, Um, I, I, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but, um, she started listening to the podcast while I was in the room and I heard it and I like left and like a couple of hours I came back and it's like, okay, so what happened? And she said, oh, I don't know. I'm only on episode three. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, it's, it's a historical event. Why, why is it, why is it a full season? I could just Google it. It is public (laughs) record.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's just so weird. It's just like, I don't understand, like these serial killers have like brutally murdered and did terrible things to women and other folks. And it's just like, why would you want to platform them? Why would you want to like bring up this stuff? Like, why are you so fascinated by it? I just, I don't understand the psychology of it. Um, And I, I never will. Yeah, like put Idris Elba on as a detective in London, and I'll watch that all day. It's just, yeah. that's entertaining.
0: I, first season of Luther, great. Feel like it does sort of meander a little um, after that, but anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> Quinn, are you aware of how hard it is to find ways to give you money? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make sure that you... No, <laughs> because um, <laughs> when I was writing the article, I was trying to, like, find something for everyone to be like, here's your plug. Here's a thing that you did. Here's mm-hmm. um, a place where you're at. And, like, you don't have one.
4: I mean, I have, I have, uh, what do we call it, um, the community radio on um, uh, uh, the, um, uh, my, uh, I have a pay hip site and a gum road. Site, i'm trying to I'm trying to move everything to io um i just have to sort of get off my butt um okay. and do it and i have to like bring my site I, i've been i've been like a very bad um internet um So it's, it's like it's like so weird i just don't i, I find a, like i just work on stuff but i'm like not selling much these days um you know i am working on a few things um uh that i'm i'm uh can, can i talk about the uh, paragon mode
0: yes please please okay do. so
4: uh, so this is the thing that is, like, um, I'm, like, surprised how excited people are about I am very excited about it. It's coming along really good in, like, playtesting and everything. Um, but it is, uh, Paragon Mode is basically a set of rules for uh, playing uh, one-on-one. Um, I've even used it one-on-two games, like, for, like, down, like, two players. Um, I, I will just, like, use these rules. Um, and then, um, but uh, for, for Pathfinder, too. And uh, basically, it is like, a, a, it's like a pretty uh, simple yet elegant sort of framework for making it so you don't have to adjust all the numbers, right? Like, like my goal for it, my, my my goal for it is that you could basically play with a single player like an adventure path and not adjust the adventure path encounters very much, right? Like the only thing you'd really have to do is like for certain certain um, like victory point system things like chases and stuff like that, you. Crank down the number of rolls because you don't need like one person rolling, you know, at the same time as a group of four um, for a, like a chase scene. Um, but other than that, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to adjust the encounters or any of the other stuff like that to to make the the math and basic assumptions uh, work and still feel like Pathfinder um, yeah, 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 and, and, and to, uh, go with the chat, one person with one character, um, so you don't have to also play, like, not, it's not one person playing, like, a whole party, um, so, uh, that's been going along in playtest really soon, uh, really well, um, I am actually currently trying to finish up other projects, um, that I cannot, cannot talk about, um, but are really cool, uh, and, um, but I'm hoping to get that, like, out and release on, like, Pathfinder and in, Infinite, like,
0: this summer at the latest that's my, my target yeah i know that i know all about that redacted life mm-hmm. um but yeah i think like paragon mode um i can definitely see why it appeals to people because you have a lot of um like especially now that we're in COVID times you have a lot of people who are at home with just their significant other you have a lot of parents who have their kid who they you know want to mm-hmm. spend time with and it's just like you know it's the hardest thing about playing rpgs is finding a group of three to six people who are all free at the same time consistently Mm -hmm. and so like when you reduce that to be like we can just do it with the two people who are here um it's definitely like it's it's liberating you know to not have to like go and hunt for players yeah yeah
4: I mean the the the, high, the 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 most powerful monster in all of role playing is scheduling. Yeah, and to, to be able to be able to defeat that is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah.
3: And one on one role playing, when you find that person that just is on the same wavelength as you it, are role playing wise, that's some of the best you can do. Yeah.
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. I mean, like, especially for myself as a person who there's like two constants in every episode on uh, my show. And that is I'll talk about Pathfinder 2E and I'll talk about how I hate Twitter. And so I'm introducing a lot of people to the idea of playing Pathfinder 2E, but I'm one person. And I like I said, I have a family, so I can't always schedule that stuff. So while I have two one shots out on the show, there's still a lot of people that I want to play with. And this is like something that I could be like, hey, like we are both individually available on this day like we could we could do this and i can run this i can run a one shot for you um and we don't have to wait for you know three other people to all have the time linked up when we're living in different places across the united states
0: oh god time zones mm-hmm. <laughs> the number of games i have that start at like 8 30 and 9 p.m because all the other players are on the west coast it's yeah i do it because you know, I love it. And also this is my job kind of, but uh wish I, I what I wouldn't give to start games at six o'clock. All right. Um, well it has been so wonderful having you both here. Um, thank you so much for, you know, like opening up and sharing your thoughts. Um, if we could just get Uh, some plugs real quick to close us out your socials, your stores, whatever you want. Uh, Quinn, I'm going to point at you first um, because I'm going to bully you into putting links (laughs) on your Twitter so people can buy things from you. But for now, um, where can people find you?
4: Uh, You can find me on Twitter at QH underscore um, Murphy. Um, Like we mentioned, um, I did um, the second uh, adventure path, uh, uh, second book in the Strength of Thousand adventure path. Um, Just just go get the whole adventure path, right? Um, And uh, because it's really good. It's really good. Um, and, um, uh, I, uh, in upcoming, uh, upcoming stuff, I have a small, but really cool part of Book of of the Dead. I, I, I can't say now, but I will be able to say soon. Um, and the Book of the Dead is just amazing. Um, so, so get that too. Uh, and, uh, I guess that's it and, and 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 bullying noted and effective I, I actually need to get off my butt and do that stuff so i, I will get the links uh,
0: Navar, uh what can yeah. you plug for us
5: um yeah so uh my biggest thing obviously is my my show secret nerd podcast you can find it wherever you pod um and you know please uh subscribe and leave a rating and a review if you're on apple um and then also You can find me on Twitter at Social, and on Instagram at SecretNerdPodcast. And, yeah, if you want to check out my games, just go to Navar, N-A-V-A-A-R-S-N-P, like SecretNerdPodcast, dot itch.io, and you can check out The Last Detective. And uh, I imagine hanging out with Quinn and Michelle long enough, I will continue making more games. So keep a lookout for that.
3: And if you want to find more of this great Pathfinder content, you can do so over no dot You can also find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash no direction. You can find us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash no direction. And also you can find us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction as well as our Discord server, which you can find at nodirectionpodcast.com. Click on the Discord link. If you want to continue hearing great content like this, we would strongly appreciate any support you can give us over on our Patreon so that we continue to produce these great shows and continue to get all this information out for all of you. Until next time, I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. Michelle. And I'm Michelle Jones. And before you can find the path, you need No Direction.